There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, a couple things to talk to you about. First, thequantedge.com, great fantasy baseball website, sports website in general that I'm writing for this baseball season, covering the batter breakdown five times a week, sometimes more, sometimes less, depending on the slate sizes. Plus, I'll be doing my MLB DFS quick hits, be there, and at Fantasy Sports DJs. But when it comes to thequantedge.com, tons of great content coming out there and tons of great tools, plus a members chat. So much awesome stuff there. I highly, highly recommend it. Guys taking down... A couple GPPs already, some really good scores coming on over there. And if you want to get the rest of the MLB season package for $124.99, use promo code Bubba. If you want to try the all sports package for your first month for all sports, NBA playoffs, MLB, the works, it's $19.99, promo code Bubba. If you want to try a five-day free trial, or it's not free, a five-day trial for $5.99, use promo code Bubba. So go check it all out. Get the MLB season package for $124.99 or just try out the tools for MLB and NBA with your first month all sports package for $19.99 or the five-day trial for $5.99 with promo code Bubba. Also, if you can go to iTunes and give a rating and review, I'd much, much appreciate it. It would help out with the overall statistics of the podcast and help move us up the rankings so more people find us, hear us, and enjoy us. With all that being said, welcome to Bench with Bubba, episode 163. With James McCool talking about his new X home run per nine stat. Back everybody to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode one sixty three. Going to talk some recent, uh, seems like usually every episode injury list updates, um, a new fantasy baseball metric we can use this season, and some pitchers that have some positive negative regression coming their ways where you could use this stat for or other potential pitching stats. In order to do so, friend of the podcast, friend of the podcast waves with myself. You know you've heard him on the two point conversion NFL DFS podcast. He's worked, has been all over the interweb, currently working over there at DraftKings. He's on Twitter at Pater underscore DFS. James McCool, how you doing, my friend? I'm great, man. I'm great. Um, been really busy over these last couple of weeks, but feeling pretty good about things. And, um, you know, really getting ready to get into the meat of the baseball season because it doesn't ever really start until a couple months in. So just, yeah, doing pretty well. How about yourself? Not too bad, not too bad, like you said. We're starting to get to the meat of it, you know, about 20 games in for each team or so, so we're starting to get an idea on what uh, is going on out there. But still, and that, that, that's a point I want to ask you. It's a good point you bring up there. For a guy like yourself that does a ton of computer things, a ton of stat-based analysis, um, where do you start thinking the sample sizes make sense for the season? I think when when I run simulations with my simulator, um, it, you you have to have at least a year of data, and I know that a lot of the bigger companies generally use two years of data. Um, 
anything less than that, and you're kind of dealing with these fluctuations of up and down, but I've learned kind of over the last couple months of doing data and uh, and doing research on what we see in those trends that you can take advantage of those uh, those peaks and valleys rather than just using the stable data. So a lot of the stuff that I use is actually 2019 data that I regress forward so that I can take advantage of the hills. Um, but normally, when you're thinking about doing projections or you're thinking about doing something stable, you want at least a year of data. No, that makes sense. That's why... I guess for a lot of the stuff I'm looking at when I do my DFS work or everything and nothing nearly as deep as you, like your data and your, your models and everything is I, I look into, I kind of combine 18 with the early 19 stats, try to give me an idea, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, not, nothing's perfect. As we know, baseball is such a ever changing game. And, and I mentioned your model a few times, the other stat work you do before we get into the actual nuts and bolts of this podcast, why don't you everybody know what you have going on and uh, where they can find you and, test out your stuff or purchase your stuff, or whatever you got going on these days. Yeah, man. So um, uh, about a week ago, I wrote an article over on numberball.com, which is um, El Jefe's website, his DFS site, uh, introducing a new stat that I came up with that is um, X, eight, X home run per nine, which is just adjusted home run per nine for pitchers. Um, and in creating that, it, it got a lot of buzz and it got a lot of people excited about things that I could put together. So, um, you know, we, we talked about it and it turned out that it'd be best for me to go launch it on my own. So I do have sheets available that go into that new stat, which we're going to go into a little bit later, um, and how it, is, how it can be used in DFS and in season long and stuff like that, as well as ranks for pitchers and for hitters for, uh, daily stuff. So I, I do have those sheets up available. You can find me over at pater underscore DFS on Twitter. And, um, if you just shoot me a DM that I can hook you up with, with a link to that. Perfect. Yeah, everybody go check it out. Uh, James always has good stuff there for all sports. He puts them together for basketball and football and always fun stuff there. And again, I mentioned two-point conversion. We'll be back later this season as these schedules came out. But tonight we'll talk baseball and we'll kick it off with, you know, every week I hope this the recent news portion small, but it seems like it's not. And some injuries are worse than others. Lucas Gilito goes to the, the 10-day IL with a strained hamstring. He's expecting to only miss like a couple starts and he'll be back in action um, we can kind of just go this route because, you know, it's the, it's the White Sox and they're calling up Carson Fulmer. We've seen that before. But uh, G. Lito is a guy you mentioned in our DMs. What are you seeing from G. Lito, maybe in the positive or the negative this year? Because the talent's always been there. We just haven't seen it put together. Well, he's been putting it together this year, and that's the problem, man. Like, I'm really I'm bummed about this, this injury stint because I was really high on him after that first start, kind of noticed that, he was throwing, you know, his pitch mix has been different this year, and it's been something that's worked really, really well for him. In years past, um, he's kind of been using less of his fastball and more of a sinker. Uh, he ditched the sinker entirely this year. He hasn't been using it at all. He's been using his fastball more. He's been using his changeup more, and those both been plus pitches for him. Um, it looks like Ocation has been better. He has had a couple bad walk starts, but I mean, he just looks more polished. And when he puts it together, he's going to be good. He's got really, really good stuff. So I hope that this IL stint doesn't damage him too much and he comes back and can be somebody that we, you know, want to use again. But everything was trending in the right direction. The only thing that I would like to see from him would be a higher ground ball rate. Um, It's still about at his average. He's at 43.5 for going to the DL or IL. But he did have a 3.7 XFIP, which is fantastic. And the Sierra supports it. And I, I'm really bummed about Sial. Yeah, I was looking forward to him. Um, I had him in DFS the day he left. I went to a meeting, came out, and I said, why did he get yanked so early? What, what's going on here? And then um, you just you look at, like you said, what he's done this year. He was once the Nats' number one overall prospect, and he was dealt in the in the Adam Eaton deal. So the, the talent's been there. just hasn't put it all together. And like you said, it's been coming together this year, and now he's got to wait a couple more weeks. Um, Marco Estrada, he heads to the DL. Hopefully it's a short-term deal again with Estrada. You know, he had a couple okay starts early, but then he's kind of gotten beaten around the park here of late, and Houston took him to the woodshed the other night. Um, what's your thoughts on Marco Estrada right now? Uh, I mean, he needs to be on the IL. This this was coming after getting just obliterated a couple starts in a row, but um, Estrada at this point, I, I think with – the way the climate kind of is in the MLB at this point with guys wanting to lift the ball more 
and the, the airball revolution, as they're calling it, um, it's just not going to work for somebody like Estrada. He doesn't have a high enough ground ball rate. He's a pitch-to-contact pitcher. Uh, the only thing that was saving him and would save him if he came back would be playing in that massive park for the athletics where there's going to be a, a lower home run per fly ball rate, somewhere around like 7.5 or 8% rather than the 12% that it's across the league right now. So I, I don't know. He needs to be on the IL right now, but I think that this is more of a strategic one than it is an actual injury because I just saw him getting beat to the ground. And, um, I, I, I don't know. I just think that he's not very good. Yeah, no, we, like that's what I thought when they signed him that, okay, the ballpark might help him kind of, you know, save a little bit this year. Like, but in the grand scheme of things, and even with now the juice ball potentially being back, which it looks like it is, um, even that ballpark's not going to save Marco Estrada. Um, nothing's going to save him but himself just leaving the game. And with a lumbar strain in his back, he's 35 years old. There's no timetable for him right now. This is one of those that he might just, we might not see him much the rest of the year. Uh, they call up Chris Bassett. He's not worth, too much. You guys can keep an eye on them, but nothing crazy. What would be interesting to see is they have a lot of guys that are coming back from injuries and Sean Manaya, Jarrell Cotton, AJ Puck, Gossett, um, guys you can keep an eye on. Like Manaya has my attention. I think Puck, they'll, they'll limp into it. But yeah, Estrada, not the most ideal situation there to say the least. But um, yeah, he's out for a while. Let's talk one that's not an injury, but um, it's about the same thing. They just had options. So they sent him to AAA, and that's Nick Pavetta. This is a guy that everybody was high on, or not everybody, a lot of people were high on in draft season. He was in the realm of the Beavers of the draft and Musgroves and some of them. And he's been off to a horrific start. He got beat up again the other night. They sent him to AAA. He's got to work on some things. Uh, what's your take on Nick Pavetta? Is this fixable, do you think? Or what's your what are your numbers showing you with him? Yeah, I mean, he's he's been really unlucky with the home run fly ball rate. He's at a 26.3% home run fly for fly ball rate and the 413 Babbitts. He's just – that XFIP and Sierra numbers aren't that bad. His XFIP is a 4.75, and Sierra is sitting um, at a 4.84. Like, that's much better than his ERA, and ERA estimators are much better at figuring out who he's supposed to be. So, I don't know. The, the strikeout rate wasn't there. He wasn't getting the swings and misses. Um, the ground ball rate was what it was and always has been. He's always going to be a fly ball guy, so he's always going to have – He's elevated home runs by ball numbers, but 26% is is not fair. And Babbitt is, you know, that's going to regress back down too. I think they'll be quote unquote impressed with what they see in AAA, which is really just going to be, you know, the downswing of things getting a little bit better for him. And if they would have kept him up, they would have seen him in the major leagues. But I don't know. He's he's not going to be what was advertised. I don't think. I don't think that he's going to have a 9.5 K per nine. I don't think he's going to have. Um, these stellar numbers like Shane Bieber, who looks to be the real deal. But um, speculatively, he'll come back up and he'll be better than he was. Um, You can keep him if you have a bench spot, but he's not going to be what you paid for in any means. So I I don't think that it's a bad idea to drop him. And when he comes back, just be a little bit tentative about the daily use of him in DFS and stuff like that. But he should be better when he comes back. Yeah, he can't be much worse, that's for sure. It's just, I'm with you. I wasn't really sure what the the big love was for him. I saw what people were pointing to, but he he didn't show me much with his stuff to uh, warrant such a high jump in praise. And maybe he figures it out. He's still super young. But pitching in that ballpark half your games is not going to help you at all, especially in that division with the upgrades they've made. It's going to be really, really interesting yeah. there. But, um, yeah, maybe, you know, just go on AAA, get your mind right good things can happen that way because they're going to need him. Jared Eikhoff slides into his spot in the rotation and Eikhoff's not the answer either. So uh, they'll need some Nick Pavetta love. That's for sure. Let's talk Boston Red Sox and they DFA'd and he's already, I believe cleared waivers. I believe Blake Swihart. He's uh he's gone. They bring Sandy Leone back up more of a defensive catcher, Chris sales guy. The pitchers loved him last year. So Swihart's gone, and he's not like the the best of the best, but he's kind of been toyed around most of his time with Boston. The um, His offense is okay. Any thoughts on uh, the Blake Swihart situation in Boston? Um, I, It doesn't really make sense why the DFA'd him. It wasn't, I mean, he he wasn't doing phenomenal, but none of the Red Sox have been doing phenomenal. So to, to get rid of Swihart kind of seems like a scapegoat tactic for management saying, oh, well, we have to do something to try to improve things. So they get rid of this guy who's been in the majors for four years and has, like, just below average 
runs created plus. He's sitting in an 89 runs created plus on the year, um, 231 average. Like Mike Zanino has what a 172 average or something like that for the Rays, and he didn't get DFA'd because the Rays are crushing. So it, it just kind of seems like a scapegoat situation. He'll, he'll come back up. I don't know if he'll. I don't know where he's going to end up, but he'll be back in the majors in in some regard. You know, somebody's probably going to get injured at some point, or he's going to go to a team that um, needs maybe a, another body for a veteran catcher. Uh, but I, he'll come back up, and he'll be worth an add. I think um, it's not like the park was doing him any favors. So yeah, I I just don't understand why they DFA why they DFA him. Yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, teams that could use a Blake Swihart, even if it's a backup catcher or a platoon catcher. Our, um, like I was watching the A's broadcast the other night. They were even saying um, he'd be a good third catcher because he can play the outfield also. So it's one of those he can help you in more than one place. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out there because he basically was the scapegoat for a horrible start in Boston. That's pretty much what that came down to. And uh, we'll see how that turns out. Let's go to St. Louis where they always seem to have an embarrassment of riches and this time it's paying off. As Harrison Bader goes to the DL with the, with the a leg injury, Tyler O'Neill goes to the DL. Finally freeing up room for Jose Martinez, not kind of how we saw it coming. But uh, first off, with Bader, who needs to run a lot, and now his legs are hurt, you got O'Neal. Any concern with those two? And then what's your thoughts on Jose Martinez? Uh, Bader, Bader was good-ish to start the year. He had a really high walk, rock, eh, walk rate, um, but, you know, an equally high K percentage. So he was walking 16% of the time. He, wasn't, he was striking out 28% of the time. Um, a lot of the numbers – Kind of made sense. He had a really low Babbitt at 217 before he got injured, and was probably getting a little bit unlucky there. But he he had gotten really lucky in 2018 with 358, so we'd expect a downswing there. Um, he was about average, so I don't think there's really anything super interesting about Bader. He's going to come back and be a guy that's you know he's going to hit in the eight hole, he's going to hit in the seven or the eight hole, and be you know he'll get a home run every once in a while. He'll be DFS relevant in good matchups, but season long you don't really need to worry about him. Um, yeah. Tyler O'Neill, I, I don't really have much of an opinion on him. Um, I know that people like the power and he's, you know, he's one of those guys. He's kind of a, um, a Mark Kana, I guess would be a good comparison on the athletics. He's just a guy who's going to hit in platoons and he can hit home run, but he's not going to be much more than that. So, um, bringing back up Jose Martinez, we saw him be a really good utility guy in 2018. Uh, you know, he can steal bases and he can make contact pretty well. He had a couple home runs. So he's interesting in terms of season long and um, he'll probably hit fifth or sixth in the order or something like that. But um, I, I think that we kind of need to wait on that. I wouldn't spend too much effort analyzing where he is until we see what he's going to be in 2019 because he was pretty lucky in 2018 at the same time. So, I mean, if you're really, really hurting for steals, and you want somebody super cheap that nobody's going to bid on, then you can go after Jose Martinez. But I, I would probably just wait on all these guys. They're not really going to be key cops for the Cardinals, I don't think. All right. Let's go to the New York Yankees, who isn't uh, – they're doing just fine with the Red Sox struggling, but the Rays are in first, so they need to keep going. And Greg Bird, who somehow is still on the roster and he's not doing much, now is injured with a left plantar fascia tear. That doesn't sound comfortable at all. That sounds bad. Uh, I haven't seen a timetable for his return quite yet. They called up first baseman Mike Ford from the minors. He's making his debut tonight. Um, eventually, they'll start getting some of their guys back from the IL as well, uh, the Hicks and others at Stanton and company. What's your thoughts on, like, is Greg Bird, like, wh- what did you see from him this year that made them want to keep putting him in the roster? Or what's your thoughts on Greg Bird? Because I was shocked he was still playing in the majors. He wasn't a high draft pick. I think he was a high draft pick, right? Yeah, he was he was he was a prospect in their system, that's for sure. Yeah, so this this is just a pretty classic case of a sunken loss fallacy. Like they they invested a lot in him. He's been in the farm system for a long time, and every time that he comes up, he just mostly sucks. The 2015 was pretty good, 137 runs plus, but then 86 in 2017, 81 in 2018, and just 58 in 2019 with this huge 39% strikeout rate. Um, and the Babbitt numbers are are not really that bad. You know, he's he had a 278 Babbitt before getting injured, and his projections were 262 in that regard. So he's just not very good at baseball. And the Yankees keeping him around is really just them saying, well, you know, we've kept him around for this long, and, and getting rid of him now would kind of show that we were wrong, so we're not going to do that. And it's it's going to continue to hurt them the longer they keep him. 
But at the same time, um, a plantar fasciitis tear sucks, and he it's going to be a long time. Uh, you, you can't really walk or balance yourself very well with a torn plantar fasciitis, so uh, he's going to be out for a long time regardless of whether they keep on the roster or not. Yeah, I guess the take the bigger the biggest takeaway from this is now we don't have to worry about the potential Luke Voigt platoon that people kept saying was going to happen and I never bought into. And at the same time, it, it looks like Clint Frazier is going to definitely have playing time for a while. So yeah. two good two good things that came out of that. Um, Frazier just continues to crush the baseball. Shocking what happens when you let a, a high prospect get regular playing time, but uh, that's what's happening here. The Philadelphia Phillies. David Robertson gave him a big contract in the off season. He's struggled out the gate. Now he has a grade one flexor strain. No set timetable for return, but that can't be good for a 34-year-old reliever. Um, they have a loaded bullpen. Gabe Kapler manages a game for baseball sense, not for fantasy baseball sense. So you got Sir Anthony Dominguez, Hector Neris, and company back there. Uh, any takeaways from his David Robertson injury and the uh, Phillies bullpen? Uh, Kapler's kind of hard to guess what he's going to do, but I, I mean – I don't know. Robertson was bad to start the year anyway. I think it's probably going to be Hector Neris' job, but it's anyone's guess because Kapler's kind of, you know, he's weird. So he'll do whatever he wants to do and whatever he thinks is best in the situation. He's an analytical-minded guy, so he's not going to probably have one closer. Like, the the Mets want to just use one closer and only three outs, but Kapler's not going to be like that. It's kind of hard to guess, but I would probably say Hector Neris and um, if Robertson ends up coming back. He, he wasn't incredible this year anyway, so uh, his job is probably done at this point as being the main guy. Yeah, I'm with you. It's Neris's job for me. Sir Anthony Dominguez is their best reliever, but uh, that means Kapler's going to use him in the high leverage spots, not necessarily the ninth. So Sir Anthony might get a couple saves here and there, but the main quote-unquote closer will likely be um, Neris. So I'm with you 100% on that one. Let's go to the Milwaukee Brewers. Jeremy Jeffers back from the uh, IL, likely to get some closing situations. But to make the move, Freddie Peralta, who throws his fastball way too much, but um, he's been getting beat up his last couple starts, goes to the deal with a shoulder injury. Uh, we don't know how serious it is quite yet, but what's your thoughts on Freddie Peralta? What have you seen early in the season from him? Because we've seen him be either really, really dominant or just a complete batting practice pitcher. He's just going to be a batting practice pitcher. I, I think I, the, the problem is that he needs to throw his change up more. And he needs because when you throw eighty percent fastballs, and you're not smart in the way that you throw them, which he's not. He doesn't set up his curveball. He just kind of throws his curveball when he needs to get somebody out. But if he doesn't get to two strikes in the count, and he's throwing kind of a wild fastball, um, he's just going to get blasted in three-one counts every single time. So he's somebody that doesn't really have, I, I mean, he has upside for sure. He has an 11.21 K per nine. I, I'm not saying he doesn't have strikeout upside, but the dude's going to get destroyed. He only has a 21% ground ball rate on the year. And 17 innings pitch. That's egregious. Of course he's going to get destroyed. So his ex-fip is a 4.97. His FIP is a 5.82. As So long as he continues to throw his fastball in an 80% clip, he's going to be somebody who's, very, very boomer bust and can really only succeed against really swing-happy offenses. But if he ever faces a team that that doesn't swing a lot, then he's just going to get obliterated every time. Yeah, that's kind of what you've seen. Like teams like, you know, the Dodgers or other big powerhouse teams, they just sit back and wait on it and tee off. So, yeah, lots to like there. And it, it, we're, it'll be curious to see what, what happens when he comes back from the DL. Is this just to get your mind right situation? Because – most reporters were kind of surprised when he went on the DL, but uh, he might need a breather to kind of figure things out. We'll see how that goes. Um, a freak injury. Yeah, Blake Snell gets out of the shower, decides to move something in his bathroom, didn't realize that the granite top wasn't connected to the base, and it falls and breaks his toe, apparently. But it seems really weird to me that you can break your toe and still be back after missing one start. Don't see how that's quite possible, but I'm not a doctor. Um, Blake Snell been doing his thing anything he's taken away from Blake Snell so far this year because I think once he is back I'm not overly concerned with him (laughs) the dude's been lights out this year uh he's been a little lucky right he's been a little lucky 244 BABIP um 97% left on base rate and you know those numbers are going to come back up left on base rate 
probably going to drop down. I mean, he was even lucky in how many people he stranded last year at 88% in 2018. 97%, nobody succeeds in that. There's always going to be a ball that kind of like errantly goes past third and scores three runs on what should have been a foul. But, um, yeah, he's been lucky, but he's also been lights out. He's got almost a 13K per nine. Um, He's only walking like, what, 4% of batters or something like that? Yeah, 4.5% of batters. Um, he's allowing a 176 average. He's been fantastic, if not a little bit lucky. So he's going to come back and continue to be dominant. All the stats back it up. Um, but yeah, I think that it's weird that you broke your toe and you're already throwing from 90 feet out four days later. And I, I don't know. I, I don't really think that I buy that. But at the same time, um, you know, we can only go off of what the injury news tells us. So I, I don't think I'm overly concerned, and if anybody dropped him because of a broken toe in your league or something like that, and you didn't pick him up instantly, then you already lost. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. But, uh, yeah, it's a complete freak, weird situation there with Snell. But, yeah, nothing to be too worried about in that situation. Last one we'll talk about here is Tyler Skaggs. Always seems to be getting hurt. But this time, at least, it's nothing to do with his throwing arm. It's a left ankle sprain. He's supposed to be back pretty much after missing one or two starts. Nothing too serious. Uh, what are your thoughts on Tyler Skaggs? He's made a couple starts so far this year, and there's always been kind of optimism about Tyler Skaggs. He's just always hurt, and we never get to see it. Yeah, I mean, he's been really good this year, um, and he's gotten pretty unlucky in terms of the home run by ball rate. Uh, 19% right now in the year. That's why his home run for nine is at a 2.41, but um, he's not walking very, very many batters at all. I think he's walking 4.3% of batters, and he's got an 84 K for nine, a 4.23 XFIP. Um, I think that when he comes back from the injury list, he's probably going to be somebody who isn't really talked about, but he should be because the start of the year is really, really nice for somebody like him. And it's not an injury that's going to be debilitating to his arm. Like he said, it's not going to be something that really impacts his performance moving forward. And um, there's a lot of reason to think that this is going to be a really good year for him so long as those home runs kind of regress back towards uh, the league average, which they should. So I'm pretty into Tyler Skaggs. If he's available in your league somewhere, um, somebody dropped him because of, you know, this or that, I think that he's worth an ad. And when he comes back for DFS, we should definitely pay attention to him and uh, play the matchups. Yeah, I like that there. I like that take quite a bit. I know I've seen people kind of panicking because all they see is Tyler Skaggs, IL, and it's like flashback to about every other season he's been in the bigs. But I'm with you. This is totally not the same, and he's been actually pretty good. So uh, I'm I'm into him as well. And if he is available, go swipe him up while you can. All right, let's move on from the injured list news that just continues to pile on day in and day out. Let's talk about your new metric. You are one of the smartest guys I know when it comes to building uh, models, when it comes to developing new metrics and stats. And in the world of baseball, I've told people forever. You probably I probably told you through all our discussions is. It took me a while to just not be the guy that just watches games that can look at stats, appreciate stats. And now I get really excited when new stats come out. I talked with Alex Fast a few podcasts ago about their new CSW stat at the pitcher's list. Very interesting stuff there. And then I saw your deal on X home run stats, X home runs per nine, X home runs, all kinds of cool stuff here. And I think it's a really fun and interesting way to break things down again, like you said earlier, from a DFS and a season-long impact. Before we get into kind of more of a player-by-player analysis or kind of take on it, what's the overarching like theme or, or breakdown of this stat? So the idea here was when I was doing I was doing my simulation research because I built a, an MLB simulator in the off season and um, I've been using it to to sim games and put together um, put together betting lines and and attack the betting market. Um, and something that I ran into was, it was actually the hitters at first. And the way that I was looking at it was, okay, if this player gets a hit, what are the chances that it's a home run? And, you know, if it's a home run, um, then this, that, or the other happens. But when I was going into it, I ran into Keon Broxton, who had like eight home runs in 30 at-bats or something like that. So when I was running through the simulator in this earlier version of it, he was getting a home run like once every four at bats, which is silly. Obviously that, that's, that's not going to happen. That's a huge home run rate. So it got me thinking about how I could look at that and, um, 
that kind of snowballed forward and, and I did some tests and I looked through some of the regressions and I started looking at pitchers. Um, and actually hitters came later after I figured out the pitchers part. And the pitchers, when people think about home run per nine, it, it's still one of the more used stats when we talk about uh, volatility with pitchers. Um, like somebody like Tyler Skaggs, right? You see him with a 2.4 home run per nine. And if we're in the DFS landscape and we're thinking about which pitcher to attack, then attacking somebody with a high home run per nine uh, is or has been the regular way to say, okay, well, this pitcher gives up a lot of home runs, so we need to attack them with our hitters. Um, because people intuitively think that their hitters have a better chance of hitting a home run. But that's not quite right because it's descriptive. Um, and that's something that people have been missing. They've been using home run per nine in a way to say that this is what's going to happen rather than what has happened. Um, and essentially, using home run per nine is the same thing as using ERA to figure out how many runs a pitcher is going to use because it's a descriptive stat. ERA tells us how many runs a pitcher has allowed, and home run per nine tells us how many pit- runs a pitcher has allowed. So they're the same thing. And, you know, people would be crazy to say, oh, well, we're attacking this pitcher because he has a high ERA. Like, if any high-level tout said that, they would get laughed off of Twitter, you know? So why do we use home run per nine for that? It's the same thing. So I set out, and I use a lot of the same coefficients and a lot of the same strategies that uh, are used to derive XFIP from ERA to become a more predictive um, run estimator, right? And that's what I want people to think of when they think of X home run per nine, it's essentially um, the same thing that XFIP is to ERA. It regresses things towards the league average, uses a couple different coefficients and um, stabilizers so that we can get to something that is a better predictor of future performance in what we're looking at. So that's basically the overarching idea behind the stat. Okay. I like that quite a bit because, like you said, a lot of people do use home run per nine or they use home run for fly ball percentage, stuff along those lines. To, to use it, and then we've all grown to really love the XFIP stat when it comes to estimating ERA, FIP, XFIP. We really gravitated to that XFIP model. So in, in comparison to, like you said, using the XFIP for the ERA, I guess my, my next question was going to be, is there a good like baseline X home run per nine you're looking for, or is it more a tool like we use with XFIP that's saying, hey, this guy's ERA is so much higher than his XFIP that he's due for some positive regression or vice versa. Are you using the X home run per nine for kind of a regression model or do you have like a baseline number you like to, to target? It's definitely regression-based. Um, it's definitely a regression model. And, and what we want to do is look at guys and say, um, for instance, like we'll use Tyler Skaggs again. If Tyler Skaggs has a 2.4 home run per nine, but he's he has a – I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but like a 1.3 X home run per nine, and he's been super unlucky. And we know, even though um, even though regression isn't something that is linear or assumptive, um, it's a randomized process, we know that the regression is going to come, and we know that he's going to come towards the league average or something towards his career average if he has a whole bunch of data to go off of. So it's definitely a regressive stat, and it's something that you want to look at and say, this guy's been super unlucky. Um, I don't really trust that home run per nine, and maybe other people will. So I'm going to fade them in DFS um, and let other people kind of chase what has happened instead of using predictive stuff. Okay. I like that quite a bit. Have you noticed uh, – what are kind of the things you've noticed the most? Um, like, I'm, I know you back test your stuff. Like, are you seeing anything that might suggest that we are seeing more home runs this year through your X home run model compared to your back testing or – anything along those lines, like you have different tabs on here, like X home run uh, minus home runs and, and stuff along those lines. Are there, are there certain kind of formulas you're using to help stand out more than just flat out X home run per nine? Um, I mean, we can tell that there are home runs this year, just based off the home run fly ball right across the league. Um, typically in regular years, like if you go back to 2015, 2014, you're going to see it gravitate around 10%. Um, and this year, like I said, I, I think the last time I checked, it was at um, like 12.5%. But I didn't check this morning, and that's going to continue to normalize. And, you know, this is still early in the year. This is still in the cold months. And when we hit June and July, that's when things really start to ramp up. So fly ball rate across the league sometime in July or June, which is just unheard of. But that's what happened 
back in 2017 when they juiced the ball the first time. So there's there's some pretty substantial evidence that the, ju- that the ball is juiced again, but it's not just about that. You know, it's about guys are trying to pull the ball up more. We see strikeouts up, and we see exit velocities up, and we see fly ball rates up. We see less ground balls. Um, you know, there's a lot of people across the league. There's smart people in the offices now that are telling these hitters to send the ball, man. Keep it up in the air. Don't be just trying to make contact. Try to make quality contact. And we're seeing a lot more of that this year. So we're we're looking at X home run per nine, and that's what you're, I think, targeting, like you said, compared to the home run per nine metric. Like, this isn't going to be a giveaway to anybody. But Paul Sewald, who I guarantee you 90% of the people on this podcast have no idea who he is, has no home runs on the season. But he has a 3.34 X home run per nine. Can you, without giving away your, your secret sauce in this deal, can you kind of explain what your your you might your system might be seeing that suggests that he's due for this type of deal, or is it kind of more of a this is what the numbers are showing? Yeah, um, well, so somebody like Seawald, I think that a better example is going to be Marco Estrada, uh, who is right below Seawald. Um, he has a 3.22 x home run per nine. Um, he he has a 2.7 home run per nine on the year, which is obviously large, but he should be giving up even more. And, you know, the the thing behind this is it's predicated on fly balls and calculating how many fly balls a pitcher has had. So if you look at Marco Estrada, he's given up 56 fly balls on the year before he started his little stint. Um, for reference, Reynaldo Lopez, who is a notorious fly ball pitcher, has given up 36. So Marco Estrada gives up all these fly balls, and we know that eventually, instead of those not being home runs, they're going to be home runs. And like we talked about earlier, in, uh, he plays in that large stadium, which has been suppressing his home run fly ball rate. And that comes back when he is away from that park, and it comes back in the park. We know that the more that he gives up, the more home runs he should be giving up. And that's what m- one of the main indicators is of X home run per nine. It's how many fly balls has the pitcher given up and how many home runs that they got off those fly balls. Perfect, perfect. Um what uh, in this this early look, you you've pretty much you said you have an, an offensive side and a, and, a, and a pitching side. When you're looking at your pitching side, or or it could be your, your hitting side, doesn't matter to me. What like are you seeing any early standouts for like some positive regressions or or, or some big negative guys to maybe get rid of or sell right now while they're high? Anyway, that really stands out. I know it's early, so the sample's not huge yet. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it is early, but there's a couple guys that. I think people might have overinvested in when they were drafting them in the offseason. And one of them is Marco Gonzalez. Uh, Marco Gonzalez is somebody who people were really high on playing. Um, you know, he, he was good last year, but he is a contact guy. And uh, right now he has a .58 home run per nine, um, but he has a 1.81 X home run per nine, which is obviously massive. He should be giving up over one home run more per game than he is right now. Um, a couple other guys like Trevor Richards also has a pretty massive difference. He has a .4 home run per nine and a 1.68 X home run per nine. Um, Lance Lynn is another one, .74 home run per nine, 1.66 X home run per nine. Walker Buehler, um, .5 home run per nine and 1.55 X home run per nine. So those are some of the guys that are going to experience the most regression if they continue pitching the way that they have been. Um, obviously, it's early, so it's not a situation where you want to look at um, – you know, dropping somebody like Walker Buehler, his strikeout upside is fantastic, but maybe somebody like Marco Gonzalez, who doesn't have that huge strikeout upside, when those home runs start to come back and bite him, um, it might not be worth it to continue to hold him on your roster, and maybe you might want to sell high. Um, and then on the other side of it, when we're talking about guys who should regress, Colvin Byrne is like the poster boy of regressing back down after, you know, having a horrible start. He's given up 11 home runs already this year. Um, that's that's egregious and it's unsustainable. I have him, he has a 5.75 home run per nine. I have him at a 1.55 X home run per nine, which still is like kind of high, but it's, it's not 11 home runs in the first four games or whatever. Um, another couple guys like uh, Dylan Bundy, he should be playing better than he is. He still has a 2.03 X home run per nine, but it's not that bad. And then I talked about you Darvish a couple of weeks ago on Twitter and said that he was going to be a really nice buy low candidate. And I still think that um, he has a pretty low X home run per nine of 1.01, 1. 01, 
right now his home run per nine is 2.09, and he did just have a good start. So I, I think we're going to see that um, regression back towards his mean coming here pretty soon. And then the last guy that I would probably say that you should try to go by is um, uh, Hanjun Ryu. Um, he has about a one-run difference between his home run and his expected home run rate. So those would probably be the guys that I would target if I was looking to pick somebody up who's had kind of a hard start to the year. I like that because Burns, people are fed up with the home run derby, so you can get him super cheap. And you, Darvish, I'm 100% on board. The, the, the velocity, the pitches are still looking really good. He's improving every time. It's more just a location thing with him right now. Uh, he starts walking too many guys, and I think he like, feels like he has to feed it in there, and he gives it up. But overall, he's gotten better with every start. So 100% on board with you here. Uh, before we get on to some other pitchers to talk about, the last question I have specifically on this. You built this model. Like I said, you built other models before. You, you've developed tools. What's next, either with this product or what do you have in your brain that you want to develop next? Like what kind of stat are you trying to target? Oh, man, so many. There's so many things that I want to do, and it's it's all just about time and um, sitting down and, and kind of having that spark of inspiration to do it. But I would really like to kind of turn my eyes to the NFL season because, like we talked about, um, before this podcast, uh, NFL season is coming up pretty quick. And I think that it's important to kind of get ahead of the game on that, like I did with this. I started working on baseball in December. So I, I think that it's important to get on to the next sport. And I'd really like to turn my eyes to NFL and and take a look at offensive coordinator tendencies because I'm I'm a pretty firm believer that there's only really two things that matter in a football game in terms of DFS and offensive capabilities and that's the quarterback skills and the offensive coordinator's ability to get his playmakers in space you know we saw people like Sean McVay for instance he's so good at maximizing his player potential and getting guys into space and getting his good guys the ball in a position to make them successful and then we saw guys like uh Schottenheimer for um for Seattle, who is just terrible at player personnel maximization. So I really want to look into that and dig deep into that and see if I can develop something that is a better predictor of offensive success rather than trying to look at wide receivers, which we know we know are more of a product of quarterbacks, or running backs, which we know are more of a product of offensive coordinator or play calling tendencies. I'd really like to take a look at that and see if I can develop something that um, – is more offensive coordinator centric rather than player centric. I like that quite a bit. That'll be really, really interesting. Uh, let's talk about some pitchers that are due for some positive or negative regression. Could involve your tool, your new stat. It could just involve other XFIP and discussion as usual. Uh, you already mentioned Corbin Burns, but you, you started to talk about Ronaldo Lopez a little bit just based on his super fly ball rate. Um, we finally saw him put together a great start yesterday. It looks really, really good. First uh, few starts, not so much. Are you buying into um, Ronaldo Lopez? Right now, eight eight four ERA with a seven twelve exit. Even though there's some regression there, that seven twelve is not ideal. Are you seeing anything that makes you want to jump in? Uh, no, no, not really. His his walk rate is awful, man, and it's it's even worse than than was projected. <clears throat> He's sitting at a six point five two walk per nine right now, and. Uh, you know, that's coming pretty close to being a one-to-one K per walk ratio, and that's really bad, especially when we talk about um, – there, there's another stat that I'm really liking right now, which is two-strike percentage. It's how often a pitcher gets into a, a two-strike count, and Reynaldo Lopez, I think, is one of the one of the worst in the league at getting to a two-strike count. And um, when when pitchers are – against a hitter's count, they're significantly worse and they're significantly more likely to walk the batter or give up a home run or give up a, an extra base hit. And with him having such a bad two-strike percentage and with him having such a high walk rate, um, even if the home runs come down, which they will, he's still going to be really bad. Uh, and, you know, any strikeouts that he gets is going to be negated by letting people on base and it's always going to be a super volatile thing. He might have one or two starts where – like the other night, he threw a gem, and that's fine, but it's not going to be the regular thing. And I, I would much rather bet on the 65 75% of the time that he's bad rather than 25% of the time that he's good. I 100% agree, and I'm glad that you mentioned it that way because I, like, when I talk on my DFS show or in my chats I'm in to, to 
you know, subscribers and whatnot. I, I explain to them when they go, ah, Lopez threw well, or, you know, Andrew Cashner or Bunny, some of these guys that are Shelby Miller, for instance, it's like, you know what? If you play it enough, the 75% is going to win every time. So just trust us on this one. You know, baseball's got so much variance in it. Every once in a while stuff happens, but Ronaldo Lopez as talented as we want to make him in our heads, it just has not come to be yet. Maybe it'll turn eventually, but I don't know. He might be the next Nick Pavetta. He might need to go to AAA and figure it out again. I don't know. But um, let's talk Miles Mikolas. Everyone was in love with him last year, not walking anybody, letting anybody on base. Not a big strikeout guy either. Right now he's striking out less than 12% of the batters he's facing, and his walk rate's jumped up 2% more than last year. Still not insane, like 5.5%. But a 6 ERA and a 5.49 XFIP, is not what you're looking for in your quote-unquote ace of the Cardinals. Are you seeing anything in Miles Mikolas to get uh, a little excited about? No, the dude sucks. <laughs> yeah, I've never, been, bad, I've never been a Mikolas guy. I've never understood the love. I really haven't. I like I. He's usable in certain matchups he, because he he doesn't have a strikeout rate like at all. I, I mean, even in 2018, you know, it's 6.55 strikeout rate, 6.55 K per nine, um, you know, this year, 4.71. And of course the walks were going to come up a little bit. Having a 1.3 walk per nine, it's ridiculous. It's like Clayton Kershaw's status. So of course the walks were going to come up a little bit. Of course the left on base rate was going to drop a little bit. The ground ball rate dropped a little bit. Yeah. The, the estimators, I'm going to side with the estimators on this. I don't really see anything that I like in him. Um, if the walks come down, I think that he could be, like kind of a kind of a Samarja, I guess. If that's like his ceiling is 2016 Samarja, which is not going to be a big strikeout guy, but maybe he'll go deep in the games. He might get you a complete game for once in a while. But if he's in your league, if you have him in your in your league, you can just drop him. He's not good. Yeah, that's what I'm with you on that. I I, I own zero shares. I didn't understand the hype train. Like when, personally, when I look for fantasy baseball pitchers, I want guys to strike out upside. He never had it, so I was lost there. But um, yeah, it's starting out bad, and I've been loving loading up on him in DFS. So we'll see how that continues to go. Let's talk about a guy that nearly won the Cy Young Award last year, and right now looks completely lost. Aaron Nola, his K rates down to twenty two percent from twenty seven percent last year. His walk rates up to almost thirteen percent, which is about five percentage points higher than last year. His ERA is seven four five with an X tip of four five seven, so that shows at least a almost three run regression, which is is nice, but still not ideal for what you want from Aaron Nola. Are you are you still okay with Aaron Nola? Are you concerned? What are you doing with the guy like Aaron Nola right now? I want to point out really quick that I was like an Aaron Nola hater on Twitter for the off season, and I I kept trying to tell people like, yo, this guy's gonna regress a little bit. This guy's gonna regress a little bit. I don't know why everybody's on him. Um, and he regressed a little bit, and here we are. But um, I don't think that it's going to continue to be as bad as it has been to start the season. Um, the walk rate is an outlier. He's never had a walk rate this high in his career. Um, he's he's having some command issues, and he's he's been a little bit unlucky in that regard. But, you know, the ground ball rate has always been about 50% in the majors, and it's at about 50% in the majors. And this guy was going to be somebody who was relatively home run prone if he wasn't striking out, you know, a majority of the batters that he saw. So now he's getting himself in these situations where he had somebody on base or two people on base because he walked somebody and somebody got a single. And um, in those situations, he's notoriously worse. I mean, he's almost two runs worse with two people on base. So I think that when the walk rate drops down a little bit, the strikeout rate will rise up a little bit and he'll he'll get back down to normal and I think that he'll probably settle in at around like a four point something, like a low fours XBIP. Um and his ERA is gonna drop down a little bit. But yeah, right now it, you should have expected some regression to come his way, but the walk rate is an outlier and I expect that to come down. So I, I can get back in on him. Um I wouldn't give up too much to get him. I would trade Miles Nicholas for him in half second, but like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I could get back on the Nola train now that he's a little bit cheaper. The one thing I'll suggest, and I agree, I still think Nola is going to be fine. He'll be even cheaper at the end of this weekend because his next starts in Coors Field. So just wait a few more and then enjoy. Get him for however cheap he's coming because it could be no pun intended a rocky one in Coors with yeah. the way he's throwing right now. Um, let's go back to St. Louis real quick. We already talked about Miles Mikolas. Jack Flaherty, he's still striking guys out really well, close to 27% K rate. 
Um, give up a lot of fly balls, only a 34% ground ball rate, which is down almost 8% from last year. Five ERA, three, four, five XFIP. You know, this guy has really good stuff at times, but when it's not there, he's very, very hittable. What are you seeing with a guy like Jack Flaherty? Bro, I'll, I'll buy him all day. He's good. Okay, good. I mean, he's really good. good. Um, the left on base rate is at 82%, which is about 7 8% higher than the league average. And we and left on base rate is something that's regressive, so you can expect that to come back down. We got a 412 Babbitt, which is a lot. Um, meaning, for those that don't know what Babbitt is, instead about 41% of the balls that are hit off of him are being sent into play. Um, league average is around 300. And ideally, what you want to see is a Babbitt should signal where a batting average should lie. Um, so a 412 Babbitt is ridiculous. And most of the estimators, I mean, the bat had him at a 298 Babbitt coming into the year which is about right. So, I mean, that's way too high. The whip is way too high at 1.61. And then the home run for fly ball rate. He's sitting at, I think, uh, 21%. Yeah, 21% home run for fly ball rate. Um, a 2.0 home run per nine. That's way too high. Um, it's not going to stick like that to the entirety, the entirety of the year. Um, I have him at a 1.48 X home run per nine, which is significantly farther down. So, um, I, I'll buy him all day. The XFIP is really, really nice at 3.45 and 11K per nine, which is fantastic. And that's just what he was at last year with the 10.85. So I expect a lot of regression to come for him um, in, in a positive way, some positive regression coming his way. I would buy him up wherever I could. If you had Aaron Nola and could trade him for Jack Flaherty, would you get Jack Flaherty? 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. I think Flaherty is cool. better. Okay, I like it. Let's talk about a guy who's about to be 34 years old, which in baseball terms is getting towards the end. In real life, he's just beginning. But um, Corey Kluber, not off to a good start. Caper 9, right around 10, which is what you want from the Klubot. But a 6.16 ERA, a 5.16 XFIP. Um, not giving up a ton of long balls, but he's just walking the farm, almost a 5 walk per 9. What's your thoughts on Kluber? Is this fixable or is this kind of the beginning of the end? Well, this hurts because uh, I went pitcher-pitcher in my one draft I had this year, and I took Scherzer and Kluber. And, uh, well, you got and half of it right. I know I got half of it right, but it, I got the easy half right. I didn't get the hard part. Right. So, <laughs> um, It's weird, man. Like, his pitch mix makes sense. It's not any different than it was in 2018 when he was good. Uh, he's thrown his fastball a little bit less and his changeup a little bit more. The changeup's been bad for him. He hasn't been able to locate it well, and that's what's been causing a lot of his walks. Um, the cutter has been a significantly negative pitch, which might be because he's throwing less fastball to set it up. But um, I don't know, man. It looks really, really rough. It's a command issue, and I've been attacking him too. Um, pretty much every start that he's had, I've stacked against him because he can't locate, and when he's getting hit, He's getting hit really, really hard. Um, the average exit velocity, I think, is above 95% on him. He's getting hit at above a 15% um, launch angle. He's giving up barrels like crazy. He's just getting hit really, really hard, and I don't know what it is, It's, um, but it's, it's really bad. I don't know if it's going to be something that can be fixed. He might be injured. Um, an IL stint wouldn't surprise me at all. But it's really rough. I And you can't sell high on him right now, which is the worst part. He hasn't really had a good start. So the the best thing that you can do is bench him and kind of like sit back and wait and see if he starts giving up less quality contacts because that's really been his issue is the quality contact. So just pay attention to his X-Sats. Go over to Baseball Savant and pay attention to his expected um, slugging and expected Woba allowed and um, the amount of barrels he's giving up. And when those start to drop, I think you can start starting him again. But right now, he just needs to sit on your bench because there, I, I think there's something wrong with him. I think he's injured. Yeah, I'm with you. When I um, when I put together most of this list, I went straight to Baseball Savant because, A, I love going to Baseball Savant. And I wanted to look at the expected stats. And when you look at the guys with the differential issues in the bad direction, the clue bot shows out in a big, big way, especially when it comes to batting average against and whatnot. He, he's he's not faring well. So things things are tough in the world of Corey Kluber these days. And um, it's going to be interesting to see if he can turn it around. But, uh, yeah, maybe maybe a DL stint, and it sucks because the Indians wanted to trade him. And now it's going to be really hard to trade him at this point for at least his value they assumed he had. All right, let's talk about a couple guys that have come out to just really, really good starts 
And I want your thoughts on, is this for reals or are we in trouble and we need to sell, sell, sell? We'll start in Kansas City with Brad Keller. He has jumped off the map to start the season here with a, his K rates up 4% to 20%. He's also walking almost 4.5% more at 13% walk rate. ERA of 264 with an XFIP of 4.75. I know your um, X per home run, your X home run per nine stat believes he's not that far off actually from what he's happening in that respect. That could be because he's almost a 52% ground ball guy, as I'm learning from listening to you. Um, what's your thoughts on a guy like Brad Keller right now? Yeah, um, X for one for nine doesn't hate him. Um, 0.97, so that's that's not actually bad. He's uh, he's kind of on the lower end of the league. He's done there with guys like um, Ivan Nova and and Colin McHugh. And I saying the word Ivan Nova, I think that's pretty much what you can expect from Brad Keller moving forward. Um, kind of a pitch to clock guy that's going to induce a lot of ground balls and um, not give up a lot of home runs. So the the issue here. The reason why his XFIP is so much higher than his ERA is because of that walk rate. And when you don't have a high strikeout rate and you have a high walk rate, you're letting a lot of guys on base, um, your XFIP is going to be higher, and it should be, because we know that eventually, if those guys are on base and your BABIP is normalized, then you're going to let up more runs. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. He's got a 210 BABIP, um, which is about 100 points worse than or better than league average. And that high walk rate kind of signals that he's left around a, a run and a half probably on the bases um, on average. So I I can say that I think that he'll be okay. Um, I would sell high on him and try to get somebody probably a little bit better. I would sell high and try to find um, like one of those guys that I was talking about earlier that has that large differential in home run per rate, home run rate and um, ex home run rate. I'm trying to probably trade for one of those guys, but I think he'll be okay. He's not going to be somebody who lights up the fancy scoreboards, but he's going to finish walking down. He's going to be fine and probably be able to go deep into games and um, get you some quality starts if you need him. Yeah, I like that. He's a guy that he's been a fun play for DFS because he's been so cheap and, you know, he might not have the huge ceiling, but in the era, as you know, watching on the daily of how hard it is just to get any pitching right right now because it's home run derby. Keller's been like amazing in the 6K range, game in and game out. So something to keep in mind, especially in his home starts in Kauffman Stadium, which is a nice pitcher-friendly ballpark. So uh, something to keep in mind there. Let's go to one of the the gems of the start of the season here, and Matthew Boyd. K rates up to 36% this year. That's four, like 13.5 points higher than last year. Walk rate's essentially the same. Um, he has a, like a 10% better ground ball rate. ERA of 296, XFIP of 258. This is pretty darn amazing. He's already got a war of 1.2, a Fangrass war. Last year he had a 2-1 and 2007 he had 2-2. He's, all, he's over halfway to his war in years past through four starts. What are your thoughts on Matthew Boyd? All right. So I love Boyd. Let me point that out really quick. Um, after his first start, I dug in and I immediately knew that he was going to like that it was going to continue. And the reason why I knew that was because he got super unlucky in that start. He had like a 550 Babbitt or something like that and a 40% left on base rate, and he still threw that gem. So that signals that even if he was super unlucky, he still crushed. And when he starts to get luckier, he's going to continue to crush. Now, I wanted to say that first because I do think that we need to temper our expectations a little bit here. Um, he's not going to continue to have this K rate. There's no way that he's going to continue to have 36% K rate. I think that drops down to like 25%. I think that some of those swings and misses are going to calm down a little bit once the warmer weather comes in. <clears throat> and his home run rate is going to, you know, jump up a bit because he's not a heavy ground ball guy. He's a 40% ground ball guy, which is up from 2018, which is another reason why his exit is so much better than it was last year. But still, only a 40% ground ball rate, and he's only got a 5.3% home run fly ball rate. So expect the home run rate to jump up a little bit. Um, but that K per nine and the walk and XFIP, like all of it is just so good. I think that he's going to be a league winner for those that took a chance on him in the off season. And now he's been doing so well that you're not going to be able to get him for anything cheap. Um, but he's the real deal. He, he's really, really good. And what he's been doing this year is sustained by his ERA estimators and by Babbitt and everything like that. So he's the real deal. I, I would just expect the K per nine to drop maybe down to like, 9.5 at the most. 
Yeah, I'm with you there. The K the K percentage is just out of this world crazy with him. But like you said, every other metric that we like to use when it comes to evaluating pitching that we've used on this show already, everything is even better than what he's doing, which is insane. He's been so, so good. So I'm with you. I'm a Boyd boy. I'm ready to roll with him. Big, big fan there. Let's talk about another guy who's been hyped up the last two draft seasons because he's had big second half. First half have been struggles, but Luis Castillo has started out outstanding this season. K rates up to almost 11.7 K per nine. Walk rates up a bit too. Ground ball rates back to his 2017 numbers. But a 146 ERA, we have to realize it's probably not sustainable. He hasn't given up a home run yet this year and a 3-3-1 XFIP. So regression is possible, but do we still expect a good season from Luis Castillo? Like, are these changes legit? Yeah, changes. Um, I, I mean, they look legit. The only thing that worries me is the walk rate. Um, when we see a big jump in strikeout weight and walk rate, kind of signals that guys might be chasing a little bit more towards the outside than they should be. Um, and they'll figure that out eventually. Guys will stop going after the slider that he puts down outside of the zone, or they'll, you know, they'll stop going after his changeup or something like that. But you know that what he has done this year has worked very well. It's not a big there's no big change in his pitch mix. Um, there's nothing that signals that he did something extremely different that, you know, he might work back towards. It just looks like 2018 was kind of an outlier season for him where he had that 45% ground ball rate and now it's back up to that 58%, which is fantastic. Um, the, the only things that worry me are the walk rate and the BABIP. Um, a 184 BABIP isn't going to stick but that's why his exit is 3.31. So the strikeout stuff is probably about right. I would expect it to drop down to maybe like a 28%, 29% or something like that. Um, but the ground ball rate is super encouraging. Uh, the home run rate, it's not going to be that high. I have the exit home run for nine is 0.77, which is a fantastic mark. It's um, bottom five in the league. So I, I really like him. I think it's the real deal. But at the same time, this is only 24 innings. So there might be something that goes wrong. Like I said, his pitch mix hasn't changed that much. It just seems like it's a command thing, and he's working better in the bottom of the zone. So I don't know. Maybe we'll see a couple starts where he gets away from that or he loses command or something like that. But um, speculatively, I think that he's a really, really good pitcher this year, and it's going to look a lot more like his 2017 season than his 2018 season. I probably should ask this in the ex-home run per nine conversation, but talking about Luis Castillo makes me think, does your model factor in park factors, or is that not essential for this situation? No, it's not. And um, the reason for that yeah. is because it uses park factors as part of the coefficient for um, the matchups. So the okay. stat itself is uh, not park adjusted because you can't really park adjust a fly ball. But um, yeah, when I do do the daily stuff, like for my sheets, it is park adjusted. Okay, perfect. I want to clarify that one. Uh, a couple more guys to talk about here. Uh, Tyler Glass now, and it's a good comparison piece with what we just talked about, Luis Castillo, except, you know, the K rate's about where we want it, a little lower than last year, but the walk rate's dropped tremendously. 113 ERA, 302 XFIP. He's jumping off the page here. Would you want Luis Castillo's hot start for the rest of the year, or do you want Tyler Glass now's hot start for the rest of the year? I probably want Castillo's because I think that it's more sustainable. Um, I just don't know that Glassnow is going to be able to keep up that super low walk rate. Like I said, um, anything around a 1.0 walk rate is basically Clayton Kershaw territory, and that's really hard to maintain. Um, At the same time, the pitch mix has been different. We're seeing in 2019, he's throwing his curveball a lot more than he did in 2018, slider a lot less. So maybe those swings and misses on that curveball are what is causing that super low walk rate. I'd have to get into it a little bit more, but um, I'd probably side with Luis Castillo because I think that it's more sustainable. But both of them are fantastic. Okay. Uh, last guy I'll ask about here. He's off to a hot start this year. Some people, you know, saw how well he played towards the end of last season, especially with Trevor Williams. He's out to a 259 ERA, 482 XFIP, though. Pitches to a lot of contact, only a 6.3K per nine. Uh, are you believing that Trevor Williams is this good, or are you more looking at his exit and seeing some serious regression coming his way? Yeah, the regression's going to come. Um, I mean, he does play in a, in a nice pitcher's park, right? Like he plays at PNC, which is 
good. It's a spacious field, but he still only has a 38% ground ball rate. And, um, you know, that's been something that's continued to drop. In 2017, he was at 48%. 2018, he was 41. And now he's hitting in the 38.9. So I think that you look at that and you look at his XFIP, which has pretty much stayed consistently getting worse over the last three years, and yet his ERA has been consistently getting better, and that doesn't make any sense, and it won't make any sense. The only time that we ever really see an ERA stay consistently below an XFIP, you think of situations like um, Kyle Hendricks for the Cubs, and it's because of how fantastic their infield defense is. Um I don't really think that the Pirates have that fantastic of an infield defense. I remember one game where their shortstop had four errors and it cost me everything that day. But, uh, yeah, I I don't know. His XFIP has consistently gotten worse and the ground ball rate continues to drop. He's contact pitcher. Um, somehow he has kept his home run per nine low and, um, you know, under one. But I think that it needs to be higher than that. X home run per nine has him at a 1.61. So, We'll see what happens through the rest of the year, but it's been a nice start. I, I wouldn't expect it to continue, but it's been a nice start if you've had him. All right. I like it. A lot of great stuff here. Last question I have, because I saw it pop up on the MLB network before the game just started, with hot starts from Cody Bellinger and Christian Yellick, who would you rather have, Bellinger or Yellick, the rest of the way? Uh, it's just for fun. Bellinger. I, Bellinger, just his swing is so hot, man. Like, I'd so much rather have him to watch him every day than Yelich. But realistically, um, actually, no, yeah, I'm going to go with Bellinger because I think that Yelich is probably not going to be hitting a home run every single time that he faces the <laughs> Cardinals. So. Oh, shit. Yeah, that, that was crazy, that, that run he had there. But uh, great stuff, James. This, this was awesome chatting with you on all this baseball stuff, your new stat. You have out there the X home runs per nine. Uh, we'll be doing football here soon enough. But before we sign off, again, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you and what you got going on? Yeah, you can find me um, on Twitter at paydirt underscore DFS. Uh, I do have my baseball sheets up for sale. They utilize the, the adjusted home run rates for both pitchers and hitters. Um, and I have ranks for everybody on the slate available as well. So I have those for sale uh, if you just want to DM me. Otherwise, um, do follow. And I try to interact with everybody that I can, and we're going to get ramping up for uh, for football season here pretty soon, I think. So, yeah, just uh, come chat. Yeah, go check him out. One of the smartest guys out there on that Twitterverse. Really good dude as well. So go hit James up out there if you have any questions on anything. And then we'll be back again in just a couple months to break it down every week like we've been doing for the last couple of years. But, uh, James, thanks for joining me again, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. I hope uh, we can talk at some point in the next couple months. We will for sure. Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 163 with James McCool, talking a lot of pitchers, a lot of injuries, and most importantly, his new stat, the X home run per nine. Catch you guys later. better with a home policy from American Family Insurance because you'll feel protected no matter how the wind blows. Also, you can keep enjoying the home of your dreams. And our expert agents can help you save up to 23% when you bundle home with auto. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.